Today on Blue 58, what was that? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. And I'm doing something a little bit unusual today. I'm coming to you well, right now, probably less than two minutes after Mason Crosby finally put the ball through the uprights for what seemed like the very first time in about a billion years. The Packers win 25-22 over the Cincinnati Bengals. But really, let me repeat my question from the opening. What was that? This is, without a doubt, one of the strangest, if not the strangest, games of football I can ever remember seeing. Jonathan Vilma said in overtime, this is one of the the only games he can remember seeing where both quarterbacks played well to well enough to win. I could not disagree more with that on a broader scale because I think this is one of the the few games that I can remember where neither team actually deserved to win at all. Neither team really played like they deserved to win. 22 points apiece in 2021 is not really getting it done. Not when you have the reigning MVP on one side, not when you've got a former number one overall pick on the other side playing with two or three stud receivers and a good tight end against a very depleted secondary. 44 total points is not really, well, both sides are really playing pretty good. No, that's not really what happened today. What did happen today, though? Really, nothing like I've ever seen. If I was going to boil it down, though, I would say what happened in this game today was the Packers left it on the field. Had the Packers lost this game, it would have been their own darn fault. You know that, I know that, everybody knows that. But really, they left points out there. They took over after their only or their first interception in regular or in regulation time and went down and managed to get a field goal. 19 to 14, being up a five points on an offense that's moving the ball pretty well. Not a great place to be. Then a couple drives later, Devontae Adams scorches double coverage deep down the middle of the field. Packers go up 22 to 14 on another field goal. A chance to put it away fairly late, but no dice. And the Bengals come down on the very next drive and tie it up. Who could have foreseen that? No problem. Aaron Jones opens what could be a game-winning drive with an enormous 57-yard run, in which he seems to have collected the souls of about five different Cincinnati Bengals defenders. But on second and 10, Aaron Rodgers throws it away. Pretty good call, actually. Conservative passing play. A sort of wide zone bootleg dump-off play. The Packers call that all the time. The Bengals defend it well. Aaron Rodgers throws it away. On third and 10, the Packers take a shot at the end zone. Okay. And then Mason Crosby misses. But then, in overtime, Devondre Campbell intercepts the pass. Look what's happening here. The Packers have a chance to win. Mason Crosby misses again. Absolutely unreal. I don't have to recap all the misses. I don't have to recap all the witness. Wit- weirdness that we witnessed, but we did witness a lot of it. And I don't really know what to make of this game. Early on, I'd say late in the first half, early second half, I was texting with a buddy and and said, this seems like a pretty solid get-well game for the Packers because, you know, playing without your top left tackle, your backup left tackle, your top cornerback, your top pass rusher, your number two wide receiver – on the road against a team that seems pretty well positioned to take advantage of your weaknesses, well, 
you wouldn't be too surprised if you lost that game. But the Packers were in control for a lot of this game because they were executing fairly well. Even after a pretty, pretty slow start, they got things together. And yet, they couldn't quite get things together. They couldn't get out of their own way. And it was more than just Mason Crosby. A couple of times, the Packers managed to move the ball down the field, and then things just fall apart. On the Packers' second drive, where they came away with a field goal, when they could have put away the game with a touchdown, they had third and goal, fairly close in. I don't have the yards written down in my notes, but they went with what looked like a designed rollout to the left, trying to isolate a cornerback on Randall Cobb. But if the broadcast team is calling it out, ahead of time, you'd know the defense is a pretty good shot at sniffing it out as well. And wouldn't you know it, the Cincinnati Bengals were not surprised that the Packers looked for Randall Cobb down near the goal line, especially when it's Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. Easily knock it away. Packers have to settle for a field goal, leaving the Bengals in this game. The Packers didn't deserve to win this game. The Bengals didn't either, but the Packers in particular did not deserve to win this game. But they did. After all that weirdness, they did. Why did they? Well, it it circles back to a couple of the good things. So let's kind of dive into our normal, normal format here. What's some good stuff that happened? What's some bad stuff that happened? What does this mean and where do we go from here? All right. So good stuff that happened today. Overall, I think the defense played a pretty respectable game, all things considered. Joe Burrow throwing two interceptions, uh, completing just 68.4% of his passes. That is below his season rate to date. And outside of Jamar Chase, who was working against a combination of Eric Stokes and uh, Isaac Yadam and Kevin King, among others, I think they did a pretty good job of holding the Bengals' passing game in check. On top of that, they managed to more or less slow down Joe Mixon, their top runner, who still had 10 attempts and only got 33 yards out of it. The pass rush in particular was pretty encouraging. That was one of the things we mentioned as a a way to um, derail this Bengals passing game. Three sacks and a bevy of quarterback hits, including two from TJ Slayton. Everybody expected that result, of course. Uh, But generally, I thought the defense was pretty solid here, especially, again, given their their, um, relative shorthandedness against what was a pretty strong Bengals passing attack. Kind of along those same lines, uh, doing well with what's what was a pretty shorthanded deck, I guess, and pretty whatever the opposite of a stacked deck is, thin deck, I guess. you got got to give some credit to the Packers' offensive line. Aaron Jones, of course, bolstered by a 57-yard run, averaged 7.4 yards per carry. That's still a pretty solid average if you take away those 57 yards. Uh, A good day at the office for him. And that's with an offensive line that was down, I don't even know how many starters at this point, Uh, but but Yash Nyman out there, Lucas Patrick out there, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, hardly a murderer's row out there along with Billy Turner. Packers did the best with what they had on the field and managed to put together a pretty good result. Uh, The Packers seemed to have enough time to throw as the game went on. Aaron Rodgers settled in as the game went on and ultimately was only sacked two times. One of them a pretty key sack late, but all things considered, a pretty good effort by the Packers offensive line, I think. 
And then you've got to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Now, the final stat line looks great. 27 of 39 for 344 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But after the start that he had, you wouldn't be, wouldn't have been all that surprised if it was another one of those quasi-hero ball 2016 games where it's pretty ugly, extending a lot of plays, um, just not a good day at the offense or at the office for Aaron Rodgers, but he manages to bounce back and uh, puts together a very solid day at the office. Begins trusting his offensive line, begins looking for Devontae Adams deep down the middle a bunch of times, and there you have it. The Packers managed to move the ball enough to get to 22 points, 25 points then, and uh, and put the game away. Finally, when you talk about big things, what about Devontae Adams? What more do you want me to do here other than just read the stat line? 11 catches, 206 yards, 59 yards for his long, one touchdown on the day on a gorgeous fade route that was pretty close to not being a touchdown, but really can't complain. A great Great day for Devontae Adams today. But on the flip side, oh boy. Oh boy. I, I got to start here with the Packers' approach in a couple of situations. Um, starting really with their first drive in overtime. Devontae Campbell comes up with the interception, and the Packers immediately go conservative, not looking for Devontae Adams, not trying to get Mason Crosby, who's already missed two field goals to this point and an extra point, not really trying to get him any closer, but basically just trying to almost run clock and position. Why would you do that, given what you'd seen so far to that point and given what the Packers had done just on their previous drive? The Packers had had so much success working the deep middle of the field that you could almost call your shot. And calling your shot is basically what Aaron Rodgers did on the Packers' last drive in regulation. They need a big chunk play to get down the field and get into field goal range. And who do they turn to? They turn to Devontae Adams. And where do they turn to him deep down the middle of the field? Jonathan Vilma on the broadcast was talking about how the Bengals were going to defend the perimeter extremely hard because what the Packers were going to try to do was work the perimeter and try to get out of bounds and and get as many shots at getting down the field as they could. And I turned to my wife on on the couch as we're watching this game, and I said, no, he's exactly wrong. What they're going to do is they're going to go to Devontae Adams in the deep middle, and that's exactly what they did, setting up what should have been (laughs) one of many game-winning field goal attempts. The Packers did not go with that approach again in overtime, and I think it's fair to wonder why. That was, and we've already mentioned their red zone misadventure, throwing that very obvious play to to Randall Cobb. Just one of many situations where the Packers went kind of conservative when they really didn't have to, and it, it could have cost them. Just kind of an all-over-the-map sort of game. You've got to mention Mason Crosby here. And, you know, you don't want to pile on the guy who did make the, the winning field goal, but how many how many opportunities do you need at a certain point? And how much of this is on the Packers coaching staff for continuing to put him in those situations ties into the previous point that we talk about. But on top of all these things, I think the the most concerning point here is the way the Packers opened up. I talked a little bit about Rodgers rebounding, and it's true. He did come back. He did settle down. But early on, it was really ugly. It was a lot of trying to extend plays, getting outside the pocket, when he didn't have to, 
enforcing things. That interception he threw early in the game was just one of the premier examples of a terrible force into coverage by Aaron Rodgers. One of the few times I think we've ever seen him do that in his career. Aaron Rodgers, as a rule, just does not force the ball into coverage. And yet he did to Devontae Adams. Can hardly blame him given how Adams played the rest of the day. But you can hardly blame him for for trying to do that. But you gotta. You've you've got to force him or, or you've got to figure out a way to force yourself to play within the offense. And as it turned out, playing within the offense, holding tight, trusting the offensive line such as it was, ended up being the right call. Rodgers settles down. They get a little bit more creative with the play calling. They get Devontae Adams loose across the middle a whole bunch of times, and there you have it. The Packers' offense begins to move. But that beginning nearly sent the Packers down a path from which there was no recovery. What does this game mean then? I think at the very best, you've just got to call it a good result in a get well game. Because again, the Packers did not deserve to win this game. They played so poorly, they really should have lost. And you can't put all of that on Mason Crosby. As we pointed out, there were situations where the Packers could have done things differently that may have not even necessitated Crosby being on the field. Red zone play calling, conservative play calling early in overtime. And I understand going a little bit conservative. You feel like after a big Devondre Campbell interception, you just got to get out there and get the field goal. Of course, Crosby's going to make it, but it didn't have to be quite how it was. There are ways to go conservative. Uh, Maybe not conservative. Maybe conservative is the wrong word for it. Maybe the way you want to go is low risk. And uh, going low risk might have been the way to go there. Instead, they go just overly conservative and low, kind of a low ceiling on those plays, those runs to Aaron Jones, and it costs them field position. So the Packers do get the win here, but I don't think we've learned very much about the Packers here at all. Given the injuries, given how poorly they played with the guys they did have, given how, <laughs> how many bright spots there were, quite frankly, I mean, there's a lot to like about how the um, the defense played in this one. I mean, there's a, a world that exists where the Packers convert one of those opportunities to go up bigger late. Say, instead of getting a field goal late um, after the, the second, um, two drives after the Burrow pick, they go down, the, the Devontae Adams big play turns into a touchdown. He doesn't get caught from behind. And I'm not not faulting him for getting caught for behind there, but say they they're up 25 to 14, and um, you know the Bengals come down, they they go down and get their two point conversion, uh, their their touchdown, but the Packers run out the clock on the next next drive, and you say, hey, you know we did our best, um, you know there was a couple things that could have gone slightly differently, but hey, we got the win, and uh, it's great that we did get the win, but the Packers couldn't get out of their own way, they had to rely on a cross on a kicker who in Mason Crosby was was having one of his worst games of his career. And it's it's weird and bad that we have to categorize that considering some of the kicking outings he's had before. But ultimately, they get the win. And I know there are no style points in the box score, but man, if there were, the Packers wouldn't have won this game. Up next, we have the Chicago Bears. Uh, in Chicago, noon kickoff, 1 o'clock kickoff if you're on the East Coast like I am, or East Coast time like I am. I'm not exactly on the East Coast here in Ohio, but uh, you get what I mean. Um and the Packers will face their just second divisional opponent of the year. A bunch of fairly uncommon opponents so far this season. Now they had start to head into 
uh, some more familiar opponents. And first up is the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears look like they have some signs of life. It hasn't been, you know, super pretty uh, early in the in the Justin Fields era, but uh, currently, as we record this, they're just three points down to the Las Vegas Raiders, and I expect a feisty performance from them. I think I actually picked them to win, in fact, over the Raiders. Um, and, you know, if the Packers play like this next week against a quarterback as physically talented as Justin Fields, wouldn't be surprised to see them come up with a loss. Cleaning out the notebook. Okay, uh, some things I liked early. Uh, some early instances of Kylan Hill and a lot of Alan Lazard motion early as well. So the Packers haven't really had a jet motion type guy this year as consistently as they've had in years past. And that's been a little bit mystifying to me. I thought that would have been a no-brainer role for Amari Rogers or Randall Cobb, but it really hasn't existed. But bringing big old Alan Lazard lumbering across the formation does give you some interesting looks. You can run zone, uh, wide zone, inside zone, opposite him. You can run power behind him. You can get him in space on the sideline, rumbling down the field. I like that sort of look, and it's an interesting look, and it's interesting that they paired some of that with what they were doing with Kylan Hill uh, a little bit in the screen game. That was cool to see. Um, Corey Bohorquez continues to be a great kick, uh, great pickup. Um, it went by the wayside because the Packers forced the ball, and Aaron Rodgers ended up throwing an interception, but on the Packers' first drive, uh, Bohorquez pins the Bengals deep, and the Bengals go three and out, giving the Packers excellent field position for their second drive. Now, again, it went by the wayside because of a Rodgers pick, but um, hey, you, you, you do what you can, and Bohorquez did what he could with a great kick uh, early in the game. Had some rough ones late, but um, I guess the special teams as a whole, just a, a, a strange afternoon. Uh, I like Chris Barnes getting a sack early. Um, one of the things that I've really picked up on after talking to Corey Al- or Cody Alexander about the Packers defense and about defense throughout the NFL in general is an increased focus on making running backs block. And what happened on that sack? A little bit of delayed pressure. You force uh, a running back to block a linebacker coming at him with a full head of steam. And what ends up happening? The line or the running back can't get a full block on uh, on Barnes. And he comes up with the sack of Joe Burrow, kind of powering right through the running back um, and bringing down Joe Burrow. Great effort there from from Barnes and a good play call, putting him in a position to get that sack. Overall, uh, continuing on with the defense, I thought Eric Stokes was pretty good. Uh, The big catch for uh, Jamar Chase, the 70-yard touchdown, goes down against... um, Darnell Savage, outside of that, five catches for 89 yards. You know, that's not an outstanding afternoon if most of those are against Eric Stokes. But still, that's uh, just five five catches on nine targets. And considering how the Bengals run their offense, it almost seems like an inevitability that Chase was going to get some kind of yards, holding him to just five catches and one touchdown, no touchdowns outside of the big one where Stokes wasn't even even at, um, at fault there. Uh, I think that is a win for the Packers' first-round pick, and really a win for a secondary in general that, uh, well, to say they're shorthanded, I guess, um, almost misses the point at this point of the season. Because in addition to being without um, Jair Alexander, the Packers also lost Kevin King for a time during this game. Just a a rough game for the Packers' secondary, and uh, hopefully they can get healthy soon 
and uh, maybe get a, a little bit better effort from from everybody involved. I guess outside of uh, outside of Stokes, uh, who was uh, who was pretty solid today. Um, loved the involvement of the Packers running backs in the passing game. It seems like the Packers and Matt Lafleur have made a concerted effort to get uh, Aaron Jones split out wide for starters, but AJ Dillon more involved in the passing game too. He records his second explosive play in as many weeks in the passing game. Great to see. Also managed to get his first career receiving touchdown today. On the Bengals' fourth drive, um, absolutely beautiful play. Third down, Bengals go four wide but tight formation. And that's something that you see a lot against teams that run a lot of cover four, run a lot of cover two. It's really easy to create mismatches, especially in fairly short yardage situation. And what happens? Uh... Preston Smith comes free on the pass rush, takes down Joe Burrow. Just beautiful. Love to see it. Uh, the pass rush throughout really was was really, got to mention that again, a really a great, great thing to see. And I think you really saw it uh, come to fruition um, on the, the Bengals' fifth drive in a big way. Uh, TJ Slayton and um, Dean Lowry combined for a sack. Then the very next play, Lowry gets a little push initially, realizes he's not going to get home and just stops and puts his hands up, manages to knock down the pass, uh, comes away with a, a pass defensed, and uh, after a bad scramble by Joe, Joe Burrow, in which he um, took a huge, huge hit, um, the, the the Bengals were forced to punt, and the Packers went down on their next drive and scored a touchdown. Rather than going play by play through the very every remaining portion of the game. Uh, I just want to call attention to two final plays here. First, I thought it was absolutely hilarious and totally fitting with the weirdness of the game that when the Packers needed a big play, they turned to Mercedes Lewis on what would turn out to be the game-winning drive. Good old reliable Mercedes Lewis uh, coming open on a check down, what looked like a design check down to Mercedes Lewis and rumbling 20 yards down the field uh, to collect his 34th receiving yard of the game. Uh, just a, a big play for Mercedes Lewis, obviously. Then uh, just a couple plays later, it, it's Randall Cobb turning up as as the savior again. Uh, should have been a conversion. I don't know how they determined on replay that he was a couple inches short, uh, but they did. Uh, didn't look like he was, but uh, coming up with a miracle pass there in heavy coverage when Aaron Rodgers' arm was hit. Boy, uh, just an incredible catch and shows the value in picking up a guy with a little bit of veteran savvy. It's hard to imagine Aaron Rodgers going anywhere else in that situation outside, I guess, of maybe of Devontae Adams. But if Cobb isn't there and they load up against Devontae Adams, who else is making that catch if Randall Cobb is not on the roster? I like Alan Lazard as much as the next guy, but it's hard to, to see Rodgers trusting him there. It was very reminiscent uh, to go way back into the archives of uh, a great catch by Randall Cobb in the 2014 playoffs. Packers needing a third down conversion late to put the Dallas Cowboys away in the playoffs. Who is it coming up with a a tremendous catch on a wobbler from Aaron Rodgers? Well, none other than Randall Cobb. There he was again, 30-something years young, coming up in the clutch again for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I feel like I'm talking myself into being this being a better win than it was at this point, so I think we need to leave it there. Uh, The Packers, again, escaping here. Sure, they were rightly favored in this game. Sure, they did ultimately win a game they were expected to win. Sure, in the end, the style points don't matter. But man, did they make it harder than it had to be. 
there is some work to be done in Green Bay. And it's not just restricted to guys getting healthy, though that's going to help a lot. Elton Jenkins being back. David Bakhtiari being back. Marquez Valdez-Scantling being back. Jair Alexander hopefully coming back at some point. Same for Zedaria Smith. Those would all go a long way toward toward getting the Packers to where they need to be. But not all of those guys are going to come back. It's sounding iffy for Zedaria Smith. It's sounding like a difficult road back for Jair Alexander. The Packers have to be better when things are not optimal. They've gotten away with it a couple times here. They pulled out a great win against the 49ers. They somehow salvaged a win out of this one. But it's got to be better when conditions are not optimal. The Matt LaFleur offensive microchip has to function when it's a little bit compromised. It didn't at times today, though there were times when it was really clicking too. But things overall just got to be better when things aren't as good as they could be. So I've got for you on this episode coming to you live pretty much after the Packers defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 25-22 to on a miss, a miss, a miss, a make after, uh, by Mason Crosby. Uh, boy, football's a dumb sport. I'll leave you with that. I won't even talk about being smarter Packers fans because I feel like we all got dumber having seen that. I will just say we will see you soon here on Blue 58. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.